Hey, friends, thanks for sticking with us. This is part two. If you didn't hear part one, you might want to go back to that. That's where we talked about the Jungian archetypes and tarot cards, the classic tarot cards, and uh, a little bit about their backstory and how uh, they've affected us. And then, uh, though today, for this second half, we are going to be talking about these other cards that are kind of like tarot, but they're a little bit different, and they're kind of inspirational things that you can kind of shuffle and get uh, insights. Uh, Sometimes they're fun and playful, and sometimes they're uh, they're more about relationships, but but we found them very helpful. But for this show, we're going to just kind of go through some of those and try them out uh, so that you can kind of see what they're like. And you can take it or leave it, but it'll be helpful for you to explore with us if you're at all interested in maybe uh, picking up uh, one of these decks yourself. There's some that we don't discuss, like the apothecary version or whatever. If you Google Oracle cards, you will find all sorts of little niche-type uh, groups. But the, the whole point of this, friends, again, is for us to kind of show you what it's like as we're going out from conservative Christian upbringing into the wild, crazy world. We're going to do some things that you might not agree with or you think that are silly for one reason or the other or, or blasphemous or sinful for another reason. But we're going to at least report back what we found. And this is something that's, uh, in retrospect, as we were looking at it, far more important than we even realized ourselves until we started preparing for this show. So uh, thanks for being with us for part two. We're talking about Oracle cards, especially. We get into some other topics like leftist gun rights and I don't know, just different things. Uh, But uh, even though we have those digressions, that is part of why we like these cards. Because as a family, we get up in the morning, we'll have our coffee, and uh, Stacy will read uh, a card for each person sometimes, and, and we'll use that as a way to reflect on um, what we should be doing that day and in life and, and helping each other out to understand ourselves. Oh, friends, I hope uh, this is going to help you understand yourself in some way now or down the line. Thanks for being with us. Let's go. First, we checked out these oracle cards and we said, what the heck, this is not working because we had come to find, and this is the way I would say it, we had come to find that the tarot cards, as we talked about on the last episode, surprisingly always were very strangely on target. Yeah. And then we tried to do the same thing with uh, an oracle card deck that I got that I thought was very cool right after we got back from China. Because remember, we were talking about we got back in China and we noticed that Guan Yin was, was depicted in an archetypal way that was exactly like the star card or very right. similar to the star card pouring out the, the potions or pouring out the liquid onto the earth. And uh, so then I, I went online and I, you know, at this point I, I should say like, we're, it's not like we were doing tarot cards all the time. Like no, we pull them out every once in a while. Ever. We, we do the, t- we do the Oracle cards like every morning with the family. It's like our new devotional. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that I wanted to bring to you, the dear listener, like, there's something valuable about getting spiritually centered in the morning with some reading, but we had to kind of like purge that. You had to go on a, a you know, starvation diet of that for a little bit uh, because we were so up in our heads, even with theology books that were saying, well, not that theology, here's a cooler version, you know, or even like, you know, universalist, prof- like, a, a, like a 
Hart, uh, DB Hart saying like, hell's not like, mm. no, nah, hell's stupid. And you're like, well, that's great. But it's almost like, I don't even want to deal with this. I don't want to be in that headspace. But I do want to reflect on something in the morning. Mm-hmm. Did Jeff and Stacey just say they swapped out their Bible for some wacky Alana Fairchild Kuan Yin Oracle card? Yes, we did. Well, not, not we didn't swap it all out, but it's something we used. Uh, Alana Fairchild is, she's like what you like would probably, she's the archetypal like kind of Oracle card lady. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's like bad to say or good to say, but like that's what I would, when you see a video, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, she's fun, she's passionate, she's artistic, she's got a whole bunch of different decks. And you can check those out. You can go to protectornogan.org to just kind of see a couple of the uh, links. But this one I got because I loved the art in it. Mm. I mean, I didn't even really care about the Oracle deck. It was like I couldn't get enough of pictures, uh, paintings of Guan Yin, but uh, I didn't have a lot of options. And a lot of it was just kind of crap, kitsch art on online. And the art, oh gosh, it's so good in here. And there, there are some things, for instance, um, there's a, like a, a, a royal repose kind of uh, seated position that I love of Guan Yin. And there's something spiritual about, about just the seating position itself. Um, j- just, just some beautiful images. But there's also, there are also numbers and, and titles to it, like Drink from the Emerald Fountain or... Uh, nectar of the lotus you know and i'm like okay what are these because these aren't anything like the traditional archetypes in the union you know tarot system uh but they are similar in that you get a different image to reflect on yeah but anyway we got them and i was trying to use them to answer like questions should i do this <laughs> or that and it just didn't make any sense right at so first I put was, them away for a while yeah it was one of those things where it was like i don't get this this is not connecting at all and uh so we didn't really understand it and then we actually just read the book and kind of started to understand it by itself and realized that in some ways you know you can get a you can do a, like a three card spread or something but for me it's been really like important to just say what's the what's the card i need for today yeah and um what was your first response to it yourself though well i would say like again that for a very very first time it was that it didn't connect um and then again revisiting it what i appreciate about it um or about them is that when i do it um, and I think of it just like with an open mind of like what this card is trying to tell me or whatever, um, is that it helps me to, I don't know, put things in perspective. Usually it talks about compassion or, um, you know, and even compassion, not only for others, but for yourself. Um, there's a lot of things that are just helpful messages of things that I need at a, at a certain time. Guanine's the goddess of compassion. So having compassion on yourself and others and having messages about that is always kind of helpful. I'm right. not going to predict whether you should get married to this person or not. <laughs> right. Um, you know, just, it discusses some of the cards discuss like say judgment or, or just the fact that like the, I don't know, there's like the one with the sisters where it's like, you know, you should collab, you know, collaborate with a bunch of people that are like-minded right and Mm. and i think sometimes um you know that's an important reminder because when you know again when we often felt kind of alone in our world you gotta look for um people that are on the same path and journey and and then you know connect with them it's important and we realize like even you know when we're here in 
Portland that we go to places where conversations are happening, where they are talking about death or certain things. I'm like finding these people that, you know, that are like-minded that need to wrestle through some of these, these topics and things. Um, it just, it's great to have that community. Right. Um, yeah. So, and something that we normally wouldn't have thought about, but something that's always true. So yes. it doesn't really matter when you get it sometimes, but it's been, once you, once you got then to understanding what the, the point is, maybe having one card, that's something you need to be thinking about now, all of a sudden it was just like the tarot cards for me, where mm-hmm. it was, oh, this is spot on for today. Like well, this is what and I, I can't need. remember what the card was, but there was a time when you were going to have to make a very difficult phone call. Yes. Um, and basically the card kind of told you have compassion on this person. They, you know, they're from a lower vibrational field yeah. that, you know, and, and you Oh, can, it was like miraculous. It was like, it, it was the kind of thing I never thought I could have gotten through. And yeah. by using the advice on the card, you were oh, able yeah. to like totally re like basically turn that scary phone call into a very successful phone call of bringing healing or the beginnings of healing yeah. towards a situation that very badly needed healing and not more aggression or frustration or anger, you know? Um, but you were able to then calm that down and challenge, you know, like or channel things into a more positive direction. Yeah. So it was just like very Jesus like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, now my favorite is, uh, of these was, uh, just to kind of, kind of give you a, a sense uh, was was really initially so powerful to me just because of the art. It was the 26 Shining Lotus. Uh, the artist is uh, Zheng Hao, and uh, you can find his art at uh, www.zhdhart.com. We'll link to that also at protectyournoggin.org on our show notes. But um, you don't have to get the, div- like the, the divination type deck. And I'm using divination uh, broadly. Um, even though I've said, you know, last show, the, te- the, the Tao Jing is against divination. It's against fortune telling. It's against, it, it's not even against it. It's just saying that's not, that's not what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. If you, what you're looking for, that's not what's helpful right now. What's helpful is what we're talking about, about kind of mining it. But, um, but anyway, so the, the art was helpful. And I think of all the decks, I've been kind of disappointed because the first deck I got was the best. Mm. The the Guanyin Oracle, uh, the Guanyin Oracle cards are so beautiful and so helpful. The write ups are so spot on. I think it's uh, Alana Fairchild stuff uh, at its best. Um, but just to kind of give people, Stacy, an, an idea of what it would what it would look like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would you read from uh, read the most powerful one? And by the way, I put this up as a piece of art in the truck camper that mm-hmm. got stolen. So I have this deck and the only card I will never get is the one that I want the most, <laughs> the shining Lotus, by the way, also the shining Lotus I pulled. And then that was when I, when I learned, when I learned about this, we were at a beach in Florida and some weirdo came up to us and he said, I know what you're hiding. And I said, I know the shining Lotus in my heart. You can have it too. And then he walked away. There was more conversation. Yeah. And then it was weird because we were with, this other couple and we're like does this kind of thing happen to you all the time because it seems like while yeah. we're in the beach in florida people randomly come up to us with these weird things like well this. it seems like we're in weird spaces people come up with weird yeah you know, that's but true the, not just there but florida has a lot of weird space <laughs> beautiful yeah. spaces so shining lotus there are times when it makes sense to be discreet until you find your inner strength so that you feel empowered enough to share your thoughts feelings and beliefs without wavering even in the face of challenge by another 
At other times, we benefit ourselves and others by taking a risk and allowing the inner lotus blossom of our true self to shine forth and for all to behold. And says, have you been hiding in the spiritual closet, beloved? By the way, this is what I'm getting on my, on my uh, travels. So, uh, as we're, as we're, as we're like trying to figure out our lives on the sabbatical and like, what am I going to do mm-hmm. with the find where, where I find myself? Sometimes it makes sense to avoid sharing your thoughts and feelings about spiritual beliefs and other personal matters in until, class until they are clear in your own mind. Perfect. Right. However, there are also times when hiding your deepest truths away from the world will no longer protect you, but actually hold you back from living your divine destiny, shining the lotus light of your own soul and walking your path in the world. Now, listen, wait a minute. Everybody can get this, but I sure needed that at that moment. Like, what? I could do that? This does not mean that you have to make a grand announcement, in parentheses, unless this is what is in your heart, (laughs) in parentheses. But it does suggest that there is something within you that that you could share with another or be more open about in your life more generally. It might be a talk with a loved one about some significant feelings that you have kept to yourself or becoming or beginning to be more open about your beliefs and your abilities. Once you put your energy into the world, you magnetically attract like-minded souls into your life, which will then encourage you to share yourself even more. Don't worry if, if there are those that seem to be challenged or threatened by your beliefs. They don't have to have the same beliefs as you for you and them to be safe and loved and on the spiritual path, which is a un- which is unique for us all. I think that was a helpful part for me too, to say like one of the reasons for so long that I didn't make the moves I wanted to make was just for like love of my colleagues and people that I knew. Like I just, also it's like something you really need to be sure about. Like yeah. it's like you, you're like, well, that's a pr- there's yeah. always little bits of doubt or linger, you know, that might linger or whatever that you have to really wrestle with until you Mm -hmm. know for sure that you've dealt with all that. Right. That takes a time and process. I mean, there's sometimes where maybe also it was already automatically kind of there, but like, again, you're hiding that truth from yourself. Um, well, I knew what I knew. The question is how should I proceed? I mean, even up to the very end, there were people, there were people in my life that I really respect that were like, I think maybe right in many ways. Like I think if I had this thought, like should I have made more of a noise? Mm. I don't know. I like the ghost church idea because in some ways, like I said, fighting about it dignifies it more than it deserves. Right. Like sitting around and fighting about whether or not Joseph Smith was a cool guy. I'm sorry, Mormons love you, but like Joseph Smith was not a cool guy. Right. And you don't have to even engage in that debate. It's a waste of your time. If if you know the facts about who he was and what, what kind of charlatan he was and you don't care, I don't right now. I'm not in the mood to try to talk about this with you. Yeah. If you want to ask questions, we can look at evidence and I'll, I'll deal with that. But most of the time you talk to, you know, a wonderful person in the LDS church, you're like, archaeological evidence don't back this up. Yeah. And Who I, cares? I mean, I don't know. I also appreciate the part in there where it says not everybody's on the same path and they don't have to agree with you. Right, right, right. That's, a, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I took us off track on. But yeah, that was the piece, that, that was the piece. So that, that allowed me to say, I need to go do this journey. Even if like my dear friends, you know what I'm saying? Can't come along you or, know? or don't. Yeah. Right? Or at least not, ne- not now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because it's like, somebody's got to make the first move. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to follow, but like, I sure wished that somebody would have had the guts in my circles to do what we did. 
it would have saved us a lot of trouble. Yeah. To know that somebody else was like saying, "Hey, wait a minute, really?" Yeah, some of this is because because once we once we kind of like snapped, once the spell was snapped for us, then you can start to see. Oh, you're like, oh, okay, this is obvious. All the ties, yeah. How the whole thing is as a yeah. system where the where the flaws are, where yeah. the breaking points, where that affects how you become the people that you are in this world. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, there's a lot. By the way, a beloved colleague shot me a note the other day. I was pretty impressed. I was very happy about, not impressed, but like happy, gladdened that they, they gave me a little, you know, fist bump, even though we are not on the same ecclesial page, um, mentioning a book called Jesus and, and John Wayne. And uh, then I went and got it and read it. And it's a lot of the stuff we already knew, but I recommend it to you, friends. We'll link to it in the show notes also. But, uh, you know, Jesus and John Wayne tells the story about evangelicalism and politics and gender that really makes sense of a lot of things. Well, I tell the story because this is a person who's still in the church that's showing me this resource that was very helpful for me. And so, like, we don't have to all be going in the same direction all at the same time. What I think is important about these oracle cards and the tarot cards also, as we were talking about in the last uh, half, is that they do what the religious leaders don't want you to do and just to be creative and free. Now, that should cause you to pause. Like, isn't it fun to be creative and free? Don't you, don't you remember when you were a kid, Stacey, used to do the, um, and this is kind of straight up kind of divination, where you do the little thing where it shows you if you're going to be married, how many kids you're going to uh, have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the little triangular thing where you flip up the pages and it says like, yeah, you're going to, it's kind of like almost like the game of life, right? You're going to yeah. have this car and this house. With Why this do you think that's kids? helpful? I think that's helpful for kids. Not to predict their future. How could that be helpful? Oh, well, then you can look at it and say, I don't want that car or I don't want that house or huh, I don't want three kids do or I, I want yeah. five kids. Yeah. Like it helps you know what you're up to. Right. It just by it, does it ring true or does it, you know, all of a sudden say, no, that's not what I want. So many times I will ask, I don't ask him anymore. Cause I think it's the world has shown me that, that some of these questions assume a lot of things that we don't need to assume. Mm-hmm. Like, do you plan on getting married and having kids? And like, you know, like, and most people, college students over the years, though, if I would just ask them like, kind of those kind of life questions, they didn't have a direct answer. They couldn't answer it. Not only could they not answer it verbally to me. Saying whether or not they wanted to get married, whether or, or have not they kids, wanted so to have kids. They, fr- they would freeze up. But if you do the little kid game where you're going to figure out how many, like uh, who you're going to marry and how, how old your kids are going to, whatever, I don't know how many kids you're going to have. Um, that allows you to say, just like you talked about on the last half of the show. If you flip a coin and you don't like the answer, mm-hmm. it helps you to it helps you to process that. Right. Yeah, anyways, we're still well, on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons, obviously, for the for the students feeling that way. I mean, oh, a lot yeah. of, and a lot of it had to do with just unrest with the world and whether yeah. they want to bring other human beings into this world, or given whether, yeah. the backdrop of it, or whether they can properly provide and care for children, or, or is that where they want to spend their time, effort, and energy? Or as I said in the old book. Uh, or have they ever seen a marriage that they wish they had? Yeah, that's another one. I mean, just like, do, do, is there any, like, do you really, do you see the relationships? I mean, we're walking home last night from a very great place, the Florida room. Lounge, I think. Love the Florida. The Florida something. Link to it on the show. Maybe we won't. No, we'll link to it on the show. You should come see us sometime. It's fun. It's a great place. But we were walking back, and there were some people that also had come back from this 
place, <laughs> had something to drink. <laughs> and we just saw this couple, and we're just like, <laughs> so typical. Yeah, it's just <laughs> same fights, yeah. different faces. So basically, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so basically, as we're walking by, you know, they had been drinking, right? Yeah. Uh, the wife's upset. She's she's thinking of just turning around and walking to wherever it is that they need to go. I'm pretty from that sure spot. she probably stood up from the bar and walked out into the you know relatively safe but not he's, terribly safe city. He's begging her to just wait for the Uber, the ride. And She's like, you don't understand. Together. You're trying to control me. And you're just like drunk and she, yeah. moody. And it's like, I'm not saying yeah. that you can't walk home. I'm just saying right now the Uber's going to be here. If you just hang on tight. Anyway, it was yeah. this, he, and she literally was just like, you don't understand me. You don't understand what's going on. And he's like literally just caring about her safety at that point And knowing that she should not be walking home anyway. Yes. There's been many a drunk conversations that I've gone down that way. Um, maybe I've had one of those in my past. <laughs> <laughs> but there's these patterns that we have, right? And yeah. so, like, when you see it in somebody else, you're like, oh, okay, I see this. I see this game is being played. These, yeah. these, these personas are playing out this game. It's as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's another. I am yeah. sure this. I mean. This the angels get bored of this conversation. <laughs> was, yeah. I'm bored of it. So, and can, you know, I'll continue here with yep. what the um, this was saying about this card. So, you and others can benefit greatly from you staying true to your heart, and at the same time being open to the fact that they will have their own truths that may differ to yours. That is just the way it is. Now, I'll say that I don't think that's trying to say that truth is relative. No. But what is somebody Truth is being what a is. true yeah. true to themselves is yes. going to look different than how you might be true to yourself. And this is the way that there is there is like kind of difference like I was trying to remember an exact example of it but we sometimes would counsel people you might need to ghost church for a while just like if you've been in bad relationships just whatever you do just like stop dating for a second. Right. Figure yourself out before you just recreate this pattern. Right. Okay. But as we were saying, there's an archetype of like the healer, the spiritual healer, and all societies have them, but we've lost this. We don't have this person and we've got like these fake versions, not fake versions, th these parodies of it. What I mean is there are certain professions that we've said are acceptable in society like chiropractors are acceptable, but shamans are like maybe not. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think they serve similar purposes in, in, in my view, you know, like the, the shaman might be one of the most important purposes of, of any role in society. And uh, maybe Stacey and I are shaman type friends, but, uh, but, but, but it, what I'm looking at is, for instance, we were talking about uh, Casey Tinnon, our old, old pal Casey. You've heard him on the show. Casey's got a new podcast coming out. You can check it out. The Queerly Faithful podcast. Yes. I'll link to that as well. But what I like about it is, is uh, he was talking about being like uh, everybody's pastor. And uh, I like that. Mm -hmm. You don't need a church, but you might need a pastor and uh, a pastor who doesn't need you to go to church. And that's Casey. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not saying just Casey it could, it could be somebody else, but, um, but that, that I guess that's what I'm saying. I really want to be, be sensitive to the fact that a lot of kids, in this case, like I would say, like if you if you were LGBT kid that that grew up in evangelicalism, and you said, 
it's important for me to go back and conquer that territory as me proudly. Mm -hmm. Then maybe you should go to church. Mm -hmm. I can't do it because I don't need, I just right now in my life, I cannot be doing that right now. Even a nice progressive church. We like, uh, uh, did I mention on the show that I applied? I don't know. Let me just, let me just mention this. Okay. I thought for just maybe 48 hours that despite it all, I was going to be a youth pastor in the ELCA. And I was thinking to myself, by the way, friends, the ELCA is the liberal version of the Lutherans. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do they believe anyway over there? Them pagans. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I know they do. I mean, but I'm saying, but like, you know, like, do I have to leave church altogether? This is my skill set. This is what I've been doing for 20 years. Why don't I just go back into more of the progressive area? That's where I was enjoying my life in many ways up at Trinity Lutheran. I just had different life circumstances. And then the college, you know, like what it needed from me was more than I wanted to give administrator. I don't want to be an administrator. I wanted to be a professor, side issue. But that space was a better space for me mm-hmm. because it was pan-Lutheran, had everybody. I'm like, I'm going to go to this other thing. And I, and I came to realize, and, and, and I will say, I'll attribute this to Casey, Casey right up, straight up said to, uh, to another church worker, um, pastor, like your progressive church keeping its, its big expensive building. And this is what a lot of these progressive churches have become. They're keeping these expensive assets. They all feel good about themselves because they have all these signs up that talk about how diverse they want to be and how like proud they are to, to be open and, and affirming and all this. And there's 12 old white ladies in the church. I'm not mad about it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the white ladies that, that believe these things. But what is wrong is taking all those resources to keep a building and three pastors uh, salaried mm-hmm. to just keep this like museum going mm-hmm. instead of doing missional work in the community. Right. Casey wants believe, to do. If you believe in the diversity, then why isn't the diversity coming to what's going on with your <sighs> hey, church or congregation? Right. Whatever it is. Then why are they not feeling comfortable or safe or why is it not a draw or an experience or, to them? It doesn't even matter. Maybe it's perfect. Maybe people go like, this is great, but I just don't need that thing. Mm-hmm. I don't need old stories told in this way with this cadence and this music. I don't need it. But this is what I'm trying to say. For some people, that is where they, they lived. Mm-hmm. So by transforming their church from a, like we met, there was a, there was a ELCA church up in Colorado that had been LCMS, had been fundamentalist, and then they shifted. In many ways, they were journeying together away from their fundamentalist heritage in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess what I'm saying is when we talk about different truth, we can let people be on different paths. I think a lot of people will not need to ghost church. Right. We're saying, but for many of us, the healthiest thing to do would be to ghost church. And we want to give people the permission to say that the default can be you don't have to go to church. If you start with the default being I don't have to go to church, then feel free to go to a church if it's meeting some need in your life. If there's like a great book study on Richard Rohr, if there's like contemplative prayer, if there's singing, if you're in the choir, God bless it. If you're doing like, you know, mutual aid, food service in your community, yes, yes, yes. Heck, I'm going to go pop over this week if I can to... uh, to the uh, to the Catholic uh, workers anarchist uh, little house over here and check in on them. I love my Catholic friends when they're doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of trying to like you know browbeat people into uh, anti-trans uh, legislation in conservative states. Then I'm with you. You know we're on different sides of the thing. But the point being, do you see what I'm saying? There's one truth, right? But it we see it from these different angles or we're on different paths, and so again. 
we love you, friends. D- to, you know, follow your bliss, but do follow your bliss. That's what these cards do, is they say, do follow your bliss. Follow that truth that is peace and healing and love and joy and truth and goodness and beauty. All right, keep it going here. You don't have to convince others or be convinced of anything yourself. All you need to do is listen to your own heart. If there is something that you have been holding within, you are guided to listen to your heart for the right time and best way to share it. I'm reading this in an RV in Florida, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, crud, of course I can listen to my own heart. And then I listen to it, and I go, I should think what I think I should think. I should do what I know I should do. I should trust my perceptions, and I should always let my conscience be my guide. And I wrote... Basically, using you know, partly with this card, I, I wrote the the hypoth- the thesis of my lecture that I was supposed to come back with in exchange for being able to have six months to figure myself out. Which, by the way, thank you, Concordia. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the love. Well, family. and then that also it stemmed a conversation that you and Augie had talking about um, uh, Occam, right? Yeah. And there's a whole other level kind yeah. of that it went into. And it was like, yes, you know, all of these things yeah. started to it unlocked come together. Every, no, so many things. I mean, of course, it wasn't just this one card, but that that is the thing that was the catalyst that said, listen to your heart. You're like, oh, and the other part where it said, you don't need other people to agree with you. That was my problem. I'm like, I can't leave until I get people to understand me. Well, they're not going to understand me right. right now. I just got to go. Well, and and we've been given the advice as well as like, you can't necessarily just sit there and go out and try to change people's minds. What you do is you follow the path that you know you need to follow and then people can look on and if they find something beautiful and true and mm-hmm. light about it, then they'll be drawn hey, to it. Hey, and if we're a catastrophe, then don't <laughs> follow it. Like, that's the game, right? Like, we're your older brother and sister that are going to go try to skateboard down the street. If we don't crash at the end, mm-hmm. then you try it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So let the lotus light of your own heart, your own soul, your own inner truths shine openly, beloved. Be gentle with yourself and know that you have a right to be here on this planet in your own truth and that no matter what the response, whether a response of affirmation and love or a response of discomfort, your truth serves the greater good. Trust in the strength of this lotus light shining. It is more powerful than fear or doubt. It will light your way more deeply on, onto your spiritual path of peace, purpose, and power. Now, uh, you know what I need every day? Something like that. <laughs> like what on earth? So here's a question. What on earth would be dangerous? And this is to my dad too. Hey, Pops. Thanks. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That kind of message is what I need in the morning. Yeah. This and is not about a prediction that I'm going to like lose a foot in a fire or right. something. No. No, and, but what is dangerous about this is then oh, if, you're dangerous following, if you're following your heart and your truth, it will cause you to confront things in society or roles that you may be in that just don't feel right anymore. They don't feel true. No. And it might be serving a lot of other people for you to keep doing that role and you might break free of it. And then they're left without, you know, that or there's consequences, obviously, from walking away from some things that, you know, or that have been where you've gotten here, your income. Yeah. Been fed spiritually. Oh, all there's these so things. many there's like all these different pieces. Right. That Which is why it felt so powerful is after I was thinking about that card and I put it up on the, the, the side of the 
the, the truck and then we're walking on this beach and this just guy, we're at the drum circle and some dude comes out of the bushes and he's just scowling at me. He says, mm-hmm. I know what you're hiding. Yeah, you mentioned that. I know, but like what I'm saying is that is what I'm hiding in my heart. Yeah. And you can have it too, meaning you can follow that too if you're ready to. It's dangerous and healing at the same time. It's dangerous in the sense that it's going to disrupt your comfort. There's, that's the perplexity. Right. You'll be as you'll be troubled. All right. Now, now one of yeah. the things I will say that that also kind of made you then. So you realized I, for so much of my life, I have gotten my, I've been sustained. I've been getting my living and all this stuff by things related to my beliefs. Yes. And that, that held you back sometimes from being either able to see the truth or to actually go and live what right. you felt was the truth right? because you were held back by these belief systems that your job demanded that you stay connected with. Yeah. And so by being able to make your income something outside of any kind of church work, it gives us the freedom to be able to explore, what do we think about God? What do we think yep. about church? What do we think about, right. you know... Couldn't ask the question before. These biblical texts, even. How you read the Bible, right? There's, these, there's so much easy, accessible, interesting insight that you can grow and learn so much, but you can't learn if you're blocking yourself off from learning. Right. That was the thing. All right. So that is just one example of our, I would say, my favorite deck. My So my the, the Golden Tarot is my favorite... Um, tarot deck thus far, although what I really want to get into are some new contemporary artists. I remember Augie had a book of, uh, I I forget the name of the artist, but he has all these different, um, um, like, you know, kind of creative images, but um, find your artists, look up online for the stuff that really resonates with you for that. But as far as these uh, Oracle cards, for for my money, if you're if you're willing to deal with stuff related to Eastern goddess uh, imagery, which is definitely going to be a push, definitely going to be a push for a lot of other people. For us, it was so powerful because of how we saw like the Virgin Mary and and Jesus all kind of tied up in it. So, but what we want to do is just kind of talk about just a couple other examples. This is not an exhaustive conversation about them, but just to kind of give you some ideas about other things you might find with some of these decks that are maybe a little different. In this deck, there was a great art, Guan Yin Oracle, lots of great art and lots of great text. But not all of them, not all of them are like that. What are you looking at there, Stacy? So this one is a deck. It's actually pretty simple. Um, it was actually one that we picked up at. Um, a local like farmer's market with an artist that was selling their cards that they had um, and, and what they put together. So this one is, has just, you know, a, a very beautiful drawing. This is vision of the muse vision of the muse. And it is created by a, uh, uh, Alejandria Leon in uh, Alejandra Leon in uh, Oakland, California. And, uh, it's a very artistic, very vibey kind of thing. Yeah. And this one, what I like about it um, is just sort of when I need sort of that, again, this reminds me more of devotion, what I thought I needed, you know, if there's something, an intention for the day or something to ponder on. And so this particular card, I just happened to pull out of the deck. It says patience and it's got some cactus and uh, some roses. looks like maybe... Um, like the moon or something behind the cactus. And, and so anyway, it's this beautiful sunsetty, sunrisey type colors, you know, um, anyway. And 
It's very simple little writing. Patience. It says, life has natural rhythms and cycles. Sometimes things move swiftly and change abruptly. Other times things slow down and we must wait. Take this time to just be and enjoy the present. So then it says, additional meanings. Be patient with yourself. All will unfold in due time. Resist the urge to rush the current process one step at a time. So those are like, for me, it's just nice reminders of something I can look and say, okay, where have I been impatient or where am I impatient Mm -hmm. in my world right now or my Mm -hmm. life? Where do I need to have patience? So I know that like for me, when I'm getting a card like this, one of the things that I'm having to constantly tell myself is I still very much have a grieving brain that is going to cause brain fog and certain things. So I need to have patience for myself Mm -hmm. and have compassion on myself for, you know, when I'm trying to do certain tasks that seem like all of a sudden they became so much more difficult than they should have. Um, because yeah, my, my brain obviously is, is, is grieving and, and that changes some of the chemistry and some, you know, I don't know, there's a book I've been told called the, the grieving brain, I believe. Um, but it's very helpful with explaining what's happening to the brain when you do grieve anyway. So Vision of the Muse, I like it because it's artistic. It's not one that we use a lot. It's not one of our go-tos every morning, but we pull that out every once in a while because you want to mix it up. Eventually, you see the same cards. And and if I just have a quick second and I don't have a lot of time sometimes to ponder on something, that's just a quick little thing, and then I can kind of keep thinking of it through my day. And another thing, friends, you got to understand is aesthetically, our house is just filled with all these beautiful images that change. So we'll post them up. Uh, they're not up there now, Stacy, because no, we took them down for the show. But we, we'll, we'll post them up to remind ourselves of some things. You could put it on a mirror. Um, we reflect as family. Very often in the morning, uh, we'll get our coffee, and the, the kids will uh, gather around uh, before we head out for our day or do what we're going to do, and we'll, we'll pull a card for each of us. Yeah. And then we'll reflect on it. It's kind of a way for us to talk about things, and it's a conversation starter mm-hmm. more than anything. Um, you know, it's kind of like a horoscope in a sense, but like just in the sense that you're going to get up in the morning and think about things right. in a different way. But it's more, I think, a nice way for us to also reflect on affirming and, and helping each other, mm-hmm. you know. All right. So uh, why don't before we go to some of the other hard decks, why don't you pull up your phone, baby, and tell me what you got in, in, in uh, your phone. Oh. Uh, yeah, because one of the ways you could do this, you could get it right now. You could go uh, onto uh, your apps store, and you can download all sorts of Oracle cards. Just Google or you know search for the Oracle cards, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a few that we found kind of fun. So we, we don't have to do a card from each of them. No, just I know. Get it, get one of them is uh, the Rumi Oracle. That's another Alana Fairchild one. In fact, actually, um, I think all the ones I have on my phone. Are um, Alana Fairchild Maybe she kind inspired? Of, um, yeah. But also, I think that's th- that was my first. That was my f- the first Guanyin deck was the same thing. So yeah. that, that was the first thing we where already I, trusted. That I she trusted this. So underst- I want. I'm curious it. to see these other ones. There's different. There's well, like, the Rumi one is I, I think interesting. But my only f- cons- what I love about the Rumi deck is I love Rumi. Mm-hmm. So you could see it now if 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 you're uncomfortable with a goddess, Rumi ain't a god. And he ain't a gal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a feminine side. But um, but there's some really great you know readings from Rumi. M- m- the images are uh, abstract and interesting. Not as powerful to me. I mean, just the way I'm receiving them. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of doing this partly now for the listener, Stacy, to get a sense of you know like what they might want to check out themselves. 
Um, but uh, if you're into Rumi, it's an interesting one. The write-ups are really long. So in the morning, I sometimes get like, no, 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 I don't need this much text. They're very right. wordy. But if you want and you have time for reflection on Rumi-type themes uh, for your life, it's uh, powerful. So one of the... I, I will just, this is the only thing I'll read. Um, I just happened to randomly yeah. open yeah. up a card and I'm well, just going to read the quote from Rumi yeah. is all I'm going to read. And right. um, this one happened to be the sacred Phoenix heart. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. It says under the cover of blood, love veils many rose gardens in total faith. Love tenderly guides every lover to the garden of the heart. Reason says the world is limited in six directions. There is no way out. Love says there is a way, and I have traveled it many times, <laughs> and that's Rumi. So you start with that, and then and then she'll talk about some things, and then she also does little uh, p- like prayers or or exercises. Exercises. I don't tend to do them, but I think it probably would be great. It can fun. be as a meditative type thing or an experience. Like yeah, there's times when one of them said write some things down, and I did, and I found that helpful. Yeah, you know. So that's helpful. Um, uh, what other ones though? There's another one. There's a, a Guanyin. We have a, a Guanyin that's more of a like Mongolian or no, it's, it's Tibetan. Called the, it's called the Wild Guanyin, and it's a deck for transitions. Like if there's like a yes. transitional time in your life or something, you know, then then that one is. We kind don't of use that a towards. lot, but we used it a lot as we were trying to get to that position of change. Mm-hmm. So if you're kind of looking for encouragement for change, I like it a lot. The art can be also really good, but it is. Um, kind of has a lot of the same type images. Mm. So it's not as like visually enticing for me who loves a lot of variety, but I love that. It's a, it's a fun one. It's, it's not one that I use as much. Yeah. What else you got? Um, and then the other, another one is um, the divine circus. Now that's not by Alana Fairchild. Yes, it is. Alana Fairchild did the divine circus. Yeah. And now I feel like I think I thought I was into reggae, but all I knew was Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that there's another style. There's another dub. style um, of some of these decks through an, another um, artist, another author and artist. Yeah. Um, that we will talk about in a minute, but yeah. this, this is very much Alana. I love. I love this one. I didn't know it was Alana Fairchild. I, I love it. This one is these archetypes of the vagabonds, like the. You know, gypsies, the, we, what we used to call gypsies um, in an archetypal sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like the, the uh, band of jokers, <laughs> a band of fools. Okay, so this is, this is what's weird. Right. So I just randomly opened right. one card and I, I, paid, I picked uh, the sacred fool. Now, friends, I <laughs> promise you that we're not doing this on purpose, but like Stacy's got this deck and she said, what is it? Go ahead. And you're going to have to read it now. Then it says, imagine a life free from concern about the opinions of other people, a life where you feel brave enough, free enough, trusting enough to play the fool, to make a choice, even if it seems illogical, unreasonable, daring, or downright foolish. Now, pause for a second. One thing that's important to note is there's this tradition of the tarot deck and a lot of it influences these other decks, and these archetypes do show up in the other decks, mm-hmm. but under different names. Then it says, cast aside sensible opinions and poker faces. The sacred fool invites you to live unafraid, to take a risk and step away from the confines of what seems sensible and logical in life. There you go. And it goes on, but that's, that's just the main piece of it. Now, I got this because I was applying to be the director <laughs> of a circus school because I thought it would be hilarious to tell my college, I'm sorry, I will not be coming back next year instead of 
you know, instead of uh, being a chair of history, uh, I'm going to be the dean of the clown school, the circus school. Now, it's a very <laughs> cool thing. Um, I didn't get the job. Also, they announced, unfortunately, they're going to close soon. But mm. I, I got this deck around that time to say, what is it about the circus? And I'm not talking about the circus where they're torturing dogs, or not dogs, bears and, and tigers. I'm talking about people that left normal society and then are forced to find a way to live outside on the outskirts of society in a carnival uh, busking kind of uh, scene. If you want to help young people that have been kicked out of the home, they're living on the streets, how, how to wait, a way to make some money in a healthy way through busking, juggling, fire throwing, like things like that. That was what the game was. I thought it was really cool. I would have de devoted my life to it. They didn't, they didn't want me to do it. I understand why. <laughs> well, you also it's really the, weird. If you call it the clown school, no, I'm just kidding. Well, no, just, no, I'm no. I mean, I call it, no, but it's like, I was so excited, but like, I, I wanted to come up and, and, but you know, like white 48 year old dude from a Christian college is not the MO for the scene. So like, I don't think it would have made sense. I don't think the students, I don't think people would have trusted me any, anytime soon. I would have to first establish myself. I was intending on doing some volunteering there and then it, it not going to be really existing anymore. But I want to go back to the church thing for a second mm -hmm. because I forgot to mention. So Casey was calling out um, another progressive pastor. By the way, friends, if this is weird for you, like where we're bouncing around, this is what it is like to just sit in the living room. Like <laughs> this is what we do. Yes. And we, we will get back to it, you know, <laughs> eventually. But anyway, so, um, so we were saying, yeah, what Casey's doing is cool, but Casey confronted this other pastor who was a very progressive woman in so many ways and had all the right themes and so forth, but was not willing to make bold, radical moves to reallocate resources for the good of her community. She realized if they just keep all this money in the endowment, she'll have a salary for the rest of her life. The building will always have lights on. And nobody will be in it. She'll have insurance. And insurance. Right, right. Like that was the game. Retirement. Right? Well, I, I, I kid you not. Like, you know what I'm thinking? I'm like, wait a minute, what if I just do everything I've ever wanted to do? All this stuff we're doing on the podcast, all these things, um, what if we said we're going to do it in the context of a, of a youth program to re-envision, re-imagine what youth ministry could be in right. the, in the city of Portland. It was open and affirming place. We got along really well on that, the conversation about, you know, like the LGBT youth in the in the schools and so forth, um, or in the in the program. Uh, it was great. But then I got to the point where, where they're, they were saying like, I need to be there clocking in 40 hours a week. Like I don't clock in hours. That's why I got into this other stuff. It's not that I'm not willing to work. I said, kids, pastors, search committee, I'm the kind of person who will give you, and everybody knows this. I mean, sometimes, you know, as I, like towards the end of Concordia, I, I was breaking down, like I couldn't do a lot of the work just because I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like I, 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 I got, I couldn't eat any more Brussels sprouts at the time. I love Brussels sprouts, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're mm -hmm. full. And so, um, but generally speaking, I'm going to give you 180%. Oh yeah. You pay me, you pay me for 20 hours. And, I'm giving you 40 and hours. Most importantly, always been the way. What the job description said you would have done it and done it beyond what yeah, they, if they want 10 new kids, what they could no. have imagined. Really. I would have programming. I have all this stuff, but they didn't want me to like have my podcast be part of like something that I'm doing during the day. They had mentioned that there might be a part-time option and then possibly yeah. full-time. So you're like, okay, maybe I could do this at a part-time level and then still do the school and then do yeah the other but teaching. I'll, so I'll give you the same product. You could give me $20,000 a year. I don't care. I just want to do this. I, right. I, like, I want to do this. You give me a platform to do this. This is something and healing. Basically, 
she was saying, no, like when you are like your hours, you need to be sitting at this desk. When there's no students around because they're all in school. And making sure you clock in your hours. Filling out reports. Is a presence Meeting there. with the, you know, um, yeah, the and committees. That you couldn't possibly even, because you even said, well, what if some of like the, maybe the lessons or whatever that I am going to be working on, I can compile together and put into like a book form or yeah. something. And like, no, no, no. Like that you would do on your own time. Yeah. Like that. Just there was no create. I mean, like I was, I was thinking, oh, these are the liberals. These are the progressive. These are the people. I'm like, I want to change. I'm like, to this church, like they just wanted me to do it for forty hours on the clock at very specific hours between nine and five. And they talked I'm about like, how much, yeah, how much they care about people and stuff like that. But then, yet you were gonna have to like basically as almost like slave, like clock. Oh yeah, I couldn't in. afford to live. And they were not gonna pay me by any means. It wasn't sal- gonna be a salary. That's what you were saying. I said I don't mind taking a pay cut, and I don't even mind taking the pay you're talking but about. But I I'm can't gonna be live. creative. I can't I, live off of I've that. I've gotta salary. have some side hustles. Right? How could I do this? And then I realized, like, oh, like they didn't. They just wanted a babysitter for the status quo. And, and and I'm using kind of this particular instance as a way for me to say, oh, I don't need to be doing that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, and I realized how much it upset me and how, how, how deeply it was affecting our family and, 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 and the stress. And I thought it would be so great because this is going to be back in my wheelhouse. Like this is, I'm playing on my strengths. I'm not learning about how to talk about sushi now. This is, I can do this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I, part of my hours will be like bringing other youth wor- workers in for conferences and we're going to host like community art events and open mic poetry nights. And then like, she I'll was like, like, oh th- no, you need to no. be here on each Sunday and yeah. you can't, you can't possibly be traveling on like, a Sunday. And maybe, but we're going to do like, can like, you imagine th- this like gonna bigger re- vision? Yeah. Of- I'm going to transform your con- help transform. I'm not doing it myself and I understand that would be a problem, but it's like, we're going to transform the congregation. We're going to empower these young people to not just not leave after they turn 18, but they're going to be the thing. And what I realized is, no, she just, she just wanted to put together her really, I mean, I loved her sermons. Yeah. I was like, oh, like these are like theologically like really sophisticated. She's quoting interesting people and she's not a bigot, but they did not give me, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm calling out, I'm, I'm fucking calling down the fire on this one only because I'm saying this is my, this is my reason after this moment, I realized we're going to shift the message to ghost church because, because if the, if you can't change the fundamentalists. We already established this. These, I mean, Casey had some extraordinary homophobia at a progressive Lutheran graduate school. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? I mean, went from the, if, you're a, if you grew up in a fundamentalist Lutheranism and you look over at the ELCA, you think these cats are like sacrificing. They've got like, you know, crucifixes of like a, you know, lesbian woman on a, on a cross, you know, or something. And, and like they're sacrificing bunnies to, to bail or something. That's what we thought they were doing. No, what it is, not for everybody. This is why I loved Casey, you find your people. But what I'm saying is there, there is a certain kind of progressive Christianity that is just the same thing as the other thing. And it is unwilling to look deep into the problem. Well, and what I real here's the thing too, that really became painfully obvious when we were, you know, entertaining this whole job situation. They don't want to pay a living wage yeah. and yet they aren't creative in how you can even make other yeah. revenue. Yeah. One of the things that I've found interesting is when I'm looking at a place, say for retreat or, um, just even thinking about some, you know, if you're wondering about where to send your call, you know, your student to college or whatever, right? I mean, most colleges notoriously are going to be 
uh, feeding their the kids terrible food, but I will say not all of them, but I'm saying if you look at what do they feed the, the students? Yeah. What are the living accommodations? Like how are they caring for the well-being of each student yeah. that is there? And then what does that say? Like if they cut corners and all this stuff and they're like feeding, you know, just French fries and stuff that isn't really going to fully nourish you um, as the only thing, like there's not, you know, other options that are healthy or whatever, then it just kind of is a window into the soul of that establishment, you know, or that place. Yeah. And so can you trust your eternal care, you know, your soul care in this place where they're not paying their employees really a job like they want, they demand a full-time position without in staying up at the cost oh. of living in an area, not yeah. providing proper health care yeah. for maybe even like your whole family. That like, was part of the interview. I was complaining about how uh, my uh, church body has religious exemptions to basic uh, care related to say birth control pills. Mm-hmm. That my wife was not able to get birth control pills because of a religious exemption. My church, I mean, but by the way, fuck that. Friends, I love you all, but fuck that. That like, no, no, just no. That's like, that's so culty that our, that our system allowed that to happen. Uh, there's so many levels to that. I, I, I say that with such vitriol because I will tell you some stories someday. Friends, not pleased, not pleased. But I was saying, okay, these fundamentalists wouldn't cover my wife's birth control. Do you know what they said? Well, yeah, well, we're not going to cover your wife. Right. Oh, oh, oh so you're, so the only, I'm like, wait, I need benefits. That's one of the main things I need right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like I gave up not just safety, security, a job, respectability. Now I'm like, I'm giving up my benefits and the church is going to pay me less than I can. I couldn't, if I took the job, I couldn't pay for like a, a humble abode. Right. And I couldn't pay for healthcare for, for, healthcare for my family. So, hell no. And here's the idea. You, you want to stop having creepy youth pastors roll in? Okay? Why don't you pay a living wage? And if you can't, shut down your youth ministry. Shut it down. Like I'm saying, if you can't afford to treat people like human beings in the business of your church, shut it down. Unplug it. Dismantle it. Sell it off. Give it to the poor and be saved. All right. We're talking about Oracle cards. <laughs> but interesting thing is, it is this fool card that you picked up from the circus or whatever. It just, it stimulates these kinds of conversations. If you're confused about where we're going, this is what we do in the mornings. We get these conversations started because of this. What else do you got on the decks? Because I know you got a couple more. Yes. um, So the other... The other one, another, this is Alana Fairchild again. Um, So again, it was like the first person we kind of felt safe with. And so I kind of bought several of them, right? Yeah. But the Dragon Fae cards. Dragon Fae. This one, uh, you know, uh, we we, we know a couple of listeners that appreciate this. Uh, this is this is very much into that kind of uh, that fantasy realm. If you're really into dragons and and um, that kind of that kind of aesthetic, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, fairies and dragons, a lot of fun. But it's not something we use all the time. But we but we definitely yeah. break that out when we're looking for a, a little spice. Yeah. So, um, all right. Here's one. I don't know. This the is dragon random. card. Yep. This is just random. All right. I'll read the beginning of it. Um, this is called the Pen Dragon, pure mm-hmm. male energy. All so right. What does this card have to tell us? Most of them are kind of feminine. Uh, the Pen Dragon. I know that's why I thought yeah. this is different. I don't right. usually, you know, the Pen Dragon speaks. I am he who is the hunter, the sage, the father, the provider, the protector. 
I am he who watches over his people and does his best for his family. I am he, your brother, your father, your husband, your son. I am sheer powerful masculine energy, and I am the lover of the goddess of the dragon fae. Together we create wholeness, apart we wander alone and are more easily wounded, even destroyed. I have a role to care for others, to use my physical strength and to use my attributes to fight for those I love, and I will do that. I am king and emperor and God, and I care for you. Do not fear me. I would not hesitate to sweep you into my arms and hold you. I love you, but know that you but know that my role here takes me away many times from all of the love and playfulness that still lives inside of me. Trust in my actions, see the truth and choose a partner who is in action a strong and caring manly man. If you are a man, then this is what you must become, that true masculine hero, that being of protection. No matter what you may believe about heroic men, it is time for you to embrace your hero self and become all of who you are. Do not debase masculinity. Respect us men for what we are, and we will show you our love. We will not let you down, and we will take care of you. This is not to say that you are weak. We merely ask you to receive that which we wish to give to you. Let us be strong in our own way. Let us care for you, and let us warn you away from that which would hurt you. I will protect, I will provide, I will build a home, and I will bring food to the table, and I will build this home with my hands, and you will see the evidence of my efforts. And I will love you, that is my job, and I will never let you down. Well, now that's a weird one, and it's not indicative of a lot of the cards. I mean, most of those cards are going to be very mother goddess, divine energy, and so this is that that counterbalance to it, mm-hmm. like the little white dot within the black swirl of the uh, Tai Chi symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, how does it, how does it strike you? Well, so basically one of the things, um, that I do appreciate from it is that when you think of that masculine energy, like what is it, what is it to be the provider? What is it to be, you know, it's, it's all wrapped up in that love as well. So it's not just to control, it's actually to provide safety and love and support and nurturing to the ones that you are maybe stronger than to help take care of in your family, you Mm -hmm. know, um, Mm -hmm. offer a certain, you know, just maybe physical strength perhaps that just isn't there, um, you know, through other beings in your family, whatever it is that you can offer. But it's a, it sometimes is a wake up call when you hear the whole perspective of what that is and where maybe the, you know, if I look at it, you know, from the men in my lives or whatever, where they've missed that mark or where, or what they can strive for, or even just, you know, where, you know, as you mentioned, even like with, you know, the feminine and masculine sides in each of us, right? Well, that's in Jung, right? So this is, this is directly related to that. This is the animus. This is, if you're a woman, being a, being a strong provider and providing security for those that you love mm-hmm. is actually very important. Yeah. And I think one of the things that hippies and, uh, and such in, in my youth got wrong was they were off trying to find themselves, but they weren't providing that stability. Yeah. So it's okay to be a vagabond and, and leave the Ur of the Chaldees, as it were. But, you know, providing that safe space is what we're doing here. Like we were going to live in an RV. Mm-hmm. But and this is a this is a kind of a very pen dragon move that we've created a little castle here on the corner, 
uh, in uh, in Portland. I would also say that so I mean a fortress, you know what I'm saying, a castle yeah, in the sense yeah. of like this is a space for the kids to withdraw and 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 nest. Right. I would also say that it, it to me it also sort of I had a knee-jerk reaction when I saw pure male energy. Yeah. I, I was like, that's not what I need to hear right now. There's already feel like too, too much, much too much pure male energy that I've been in circles that don't that 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 maleness has dominated over the women and other people. And I guess it, if you're just dominating over, that's Mm -hmm. not what pure male energy actually is. That's a distortion of it. And I would say that whatever my knee jerk reaction is, then I can look at that and, and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? Well, I'm feeling this way because I think that often, like, I don't know my position as a woman in the society, the, where I've learned and grew up to, Basically, you know, first you listen to your father and then you're handed over from your father to your husband, right? And then you listen to to him. And But more importantly, you're going to listen to God and he's the big, big mm-hmm. daddy in the sky. And I guess it would cause me if I'm, if, if I am hearing even distorted and unkind versions of God through this distortion of what it is in masculinity, mm-hmm. then what I'm, what I'm actually knee jerk reacting to is the imbalance or the improper, the the darker side of what you're not that, right? Yeah. And honoring that, you know what? No, if there is some value in pure masculine energy, sometimes I need to have the strength to stand up and yeah and fight the fight that I need to fight. And we see some Guanyins like this, where she's protecting the children from abusers right. and, and that kind of thing. And that idea, though, is to understand that we've got it in each of us is is a key piece. But also, and and this is something that that somebody t- turned me on to recently, like that there is this kind of move, and I, I kind of a, a, a tend to agree with it sometimes. Of uh, like this move towards a kind of. Um, uh, deconstruction of gender as such, um, gender abolition. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, in a sense, a lot of uh, cisgendered, you know, heterosexual people would say, "Well," and I kind of found myself in this uh, in this realm of thought of saying, kind of like in the old days, people would say, "I'm not racist. I'm colorblind." Hmm. To a to a trans person saying that there's no such thing as gender might be helpful if they're genderqueer, but if they actually identify as a man or a woman, saying there's no such thing as a man or a woman isn't very helpful. Right. You're saying, oh, don't worry, I, like, I don't believe in men and women anyway. Well, maybe, but like maybe they do, and maybe it's really important for them to work on this archetypal aspect or, or whatever, right? So I think that, I think that the, um, the thing that you said earlier was really helpful, that sometimes you read a card and it upsets you and examining why it upsets you is half the fun. Mm-hmm. Like what is this toxic masculinity in our lives? And is there any other kind of masculinity? We were saying, you know, uh, now we can actually say it. We can like, we went to uh, the only time we ever went to a tarot reading was, um, Oh, and then do we lose that deck? There was a deck that we got yeah, at we that did. point where this was, um, we had a reading from this person and they said, um, we were kind of reflecting on this idea that there was so much yang masculine energy in the world. We needed to shift towards more of like kind of the feminine angle. And what did they say? They said that's already been done. <laughs> so people have tried that. Like yeah, the, 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 the matriarchy yeah. doesn't work either as yeah. a, as a, like a dominating system. And we weren't even saying like, like 
matriarchy as such, but yeah, like, like that, that just kind so, of only having that one part. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've, you know, obviously, yes, Nothing there's, but a, there's a lot of, a lot of yin, but the answer isn't just a whole bunch of, I'm um, sorry, there's been a lot of yang and the whole answer isn't just a whole bunch of yin. It's the balance of the, the two. Balance of the two and yeah. I guess that that's one of the, um, I think one of the huge, a huge red flag for me, uh, in Christianity, in the circles that I've traveled in is the squashing of any feminine, um, piece of it that, yes. that there is no maybe femininity even in the Holy spirit or, right. or there's nowhere as a, no, it's father, a, mother, and child. What's your problem? <laughs> and I think that the fact that, um, you know, that you want to see anything of the Godhead only being an expression mm-hmm. of the male and only yeah. focusing on that male aspect. As opposed to the Sophia we talked about with uh, Heather Davis. I mean, there's, there's been these figures that are very important throughout the biblical story. They've just, their stories have been like stomped on a little bit and, and shortened. And like, so Mary Magdalene, who, you know, yeah. who is Mary Magdalene in the Bible? Like we've just, she's an apostle, but we have to call her a prostitute because we can let the prostitutes in, but they can't be apostles they can't be disciples right and so i think that um and it's not even because i i say that you know like there's nothing that i can identify with no it's that it's leaving out a whole aspect of something that is very much a part of the fabric of this world yeah and if your system can't accommodate the wholeness of everything yep then i think it's 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 lacking it. Yeah. There's a, there's a missing piece. So you don't have the whole story. You don't, I don't, I just don't anyway. So me being afraid to embrace any male energy wouldn't be the whole story. It's just a, a balance, a, you know, a pendulum swing to the other side and it's not helpful either. But also I think finding all, that middle ground, finding all, a beautiful yeah. expression of the wholeness of, of the masculine and the feminine. And, not and for my case, not being afraid to channel that aspect of myself, even though I'm embarrassed by the way white dudes have been doing things. Mm-hmm. I still am what I am, and so like that's okay. It's like okay, let's how to do this right. And then in your case, to recognize certain masculine elements that are going to be in with and under you, mm-hmm. that that's okay too. And then then don't be like having a negative relationship with that. Right. Now, whatever we think about this card and whether or not Alana Fairchild should have included it doesn't matter in this case. You can see the point. It just helps us to process stuff. Yeah. We're not, just have a this conversation is not, about this it. is not like Holy scripture. This right. is not authoritative, but it is evocative. It is helpful. Is there anything else on your, on your no, phone? That's, that's it that's for my phone. phone. All right. Um, and now what was the, the love's journey? What, yeah, did, that was, that was another Alana what was Fairchild. It what was it called? I don't know. Oh, I'll, but, I'll put a link to it, but it was but something like a romance one. I think it's either the lover's journey or yeah, like the journey that. of love or something yeah. like that. But it's a fun one for people interested in like kind of romantic questions or whatever. But now let's get back to our, uh, our living room here. What do we got? So, now, there's another um, artist and uh, author for some of these oracles, uh, Kim Kranz. So, uh, Kim, just like it sounds, K-I-M, and then Kranz. And basically, um, what I like about these ones is they're, I think they find, they're really helpful for inner work. So, one of them, there's, I mean, there's multiple decks, I, decks I've explored two of her decks. Mm-hmm. Um but one is the Wild Unknown Archetypes Guidebook. Mm. Um, and then the other one was like a, something like the Spirit Animal uh, deck. So like basically with the Spirit Animal one, 
uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but the idea is there's various animals. And then what does that message say? So like, for instance, you know, I've, I don't know why, but you know, you say like, maybe if, yeah, if anybody has a spirit animal, I, for some reason, I don't know, somehow the bear has been in my life as I, I think somewhat of a spirit animal. And I, and it felt weird because I was like, I, I don't know, you, you even said like, what, bear? I don't think that's it, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So you've caused me to like doubt it or wonder, bear. you know. Um, but then one of the cards when I got and I looked at the bear card and it was talking about um, it's, you know, like coming out of hibernation and it's mm. time to be. And I feel like that is very much my life Relevant. quest and, yeah. and that I like have had a hard time finding my voice and, and using my voice to share my thoughts. (laughs) Um, and, and so I've slumbered sometimes Mm. and I've, I haven't talked and I've, you know, been quiet or I haven't been able to, you know, make the moves that I need to or whatever. And I'm waiting for all the timing to be right. And this and that, like, you know, sometimes I, I've been a little stuck right now on the reflections for the Tao Te Ching and I needed to get, you know, I just kind of need to get back in it and, you know, jump in that cold pool again. Um, I find it very helpful and I love doing it, but it's sometimes I, I also kind of need to feel a little bit of that inspiration or something that I, so that I can do it. And the, the bear thing reminds me not to lull into hibernation, that it's time to wake up. Spring is here. The, you know, it's time to start, Mm doing some of these things to come, come alive again. Um, and very much that's a real thing that I've kind of needed to feel again, especially after grieving and like, you know, kind of I cocoon myself for a little while. Um, mm. obviously going through a whole bunch, um, but being able to sort of come out of that. And when we did our first podcast again, after mm. a long break, when we, you know what I mean? These things, anyway, it offered me that message that I need to hear sometimes because I have a tendency to crawl in my hidey hole and go to my safe places and, and not step outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think one thing is important to note is that, uh, you, you know, it's important for us to be careful. There is the conversation um, going on about cultural appropriation and the idea of spirit animals, partly because very often in um, uh, American Indian culture, um, spirit animals kind of misunderstood. Sometimes you just have people... Uh, like you have a totemic animal for um, uh, a group uh, related to something they would find sacred or they would hunt it. Uh, sometimes you would have a spirit um, kind of appear to you in some kind of animal form. What we were looking at ourselves uh, was uh, an exercise that came from uh, the psychologist Paul Fairweather. In his book, he talks about how uh, in uh, Australian Aboriginal culture, they would bury a kid uh, at puberty. You know, there's a rite of passage in the bush out in the wilderness up to their necks overnight. And so they would have that panic where they're just like a head sitting there in the dirt and watching animals go by and everything and um, having to experience that. And it was such a profound and terrifying experience that people would envision that they had shapeshift into an animal. Mm. And whatever that animal was tells you something about yourself at a Jungian level. And Paul Fairweather appreciated Jung more than than, uh, others. And uh, so the exercise that he invites people to do is to kind of get into a very almost trance-like state and imagine 
if you can, being in that situation and just meditate on that situation until you imagine what your spiritual, your spirit animal might be as an exercise. And then what does that tell you about yourself? And in my case, you said it was a polar bear. In my case, it was a walrus. I felt like I was like a disgusting beast that was going to roll over and squish his kids or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was like those weird, like, I don't know, like what that, I don't know what that was about. Self-loathing doesn't matter. Um, but regardless, uh, I just want to let the listener know that there are a lot of new age people talking about spirit animals and that's not always cool in terms of like respecting the questions related to pro- cultural appropriation. What is helpful is any tool that helps you to have non-literal symbols, in this case animals, that will help you have these archetypes in the form of animals that I think you can process. goes across all cultures. Cultures do this all the time. You know, like these animals are very helpful. Um, in the Taoists would do it. You contemplate things. Well, in the like, Bible, consider the anthos love. So another example from that um, that deck was the vulture. And it basically said, you know, it's a very misunderstood creature because often, you know, people are kind of grossed out by the vultures, but they're they're valuable for balance and in, in the ecosystem that they mm. will eat some of the dead carcasses and, and get rid of some of the stuff that, you know, is helpful to kind of clean up a, an area. Right. Yep. And so sometimes, you know, you need the vulture and even though it looks like they're doing kind of the dirty work, right. Um, it's also very powerful and helpful, um, in what their job is. Right. And so that it just is, it was a reminder that there are some things that, kind of need to be decomposed and cleaned up in my own life, yeah. right? Yeah, when I got that card. And what is that, you know? Anyway. I pulled a Sacred Rebel card. This is also Alana Fairchild. We are fan kids about this, but uh, this one's beautiful, beautiful art. So as far as going back to like the beautiful art, um, what is already with you? What is already with you mm. is, uh, is the nature of the card. I won't read it uh, more than just a few pages here, but... Um, I think that's a really interesting and powerful spiritual thing also. You know, like we're on this quest to go somewhere. Mm. I'm like, wait a minute, it's already in you. So just, just the first few lines. You hold in your hand that which you seek. In other words, the pair of spectacles you have been rummaging around the house for are sitting on top of your head. What you are seeking, perhaps by exploring far and wide, is, is actually right under your nose. You may not like this idea. It is so much more wonderful to imagine there is something yet to find. Of course... There is unlimited creative potential and always something more that can be. Yet in this instance, it is important for you to know that you already have what you need and what you want. So that's an interesting thing, right? Like, Yeah, it reminds that, me in the Tao Te Ching of saying mm-hmm. that, you know, knowledge sometimes gets in the way um, because so much knowledge, then we can't see even reality or the truth. Especially be- knowledge of exploring other places. Like you got to go out. I'm going to go to a monastery somewhere. I'm going to go up on the mountain on Tibet, or then I'm going to come back enlightened when the Tao Te Ching says. Yeah, you don't need to look go. Look out your window. Yeah, just look out your window or, yeah, maybe close your eyes and do some meditation. Yeah, even inward. Yeah, <laughs> even more inward, right? Yeah, that's you exactly know. right. So that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so back to, because we didn't, we just glanced over oh. it, is the archetype book. Um, the it's Well, that's what we're going to end with here. Yes. So that one, again, is Kim Cran's uh, The Wild Unknown Archetypes Guidebook. Um, so what do you want to say about this? Okay. So this one, these, this one, some people get confused. They, they don't like it that it's the cards are circles, mm. which I think is uh, definitely your problem. Like now, of course it's harder to shuffle and so forth, but people saying, I don't like this because it's a circle and it's not a square. That's, you know, all right. <laughs> think, um, think outside the box. So, uh, friends, you can dial out if you want right now and you, you're not going to miss much else other than we're just going to continue to, um, 
uh, take a look at this. Um, but uh, but basically, what what Stacy did, what we've got here, is four stacks. So it's a it's a deck. But then it is now subdivided into four categories. Um, that each of the kind of sections of the cards are different categories. Uh, would you tell us, Stacey, what these categories are? There are four piles, and this this is like a particular reading, if you will. Um, but you can it's a weight, it's a can, spread like yeah, thing. Yeah. You can combine the whole deck and just pick one card out and see what that says. Is Which a, is, is usually thing, what we do, you know. But this particular time, the one of the one of the things you can kind of go a little deeper with is dividing the deck into its sections. So um, the four sections within the deck are the f- first pile is the selves, and so they're ba- it's basically the who. Right. Who am I? And we're going to do this as an exercise just to listen uh, for the listeners related to me. Mm -hmm. So I can explain how we would apply it. Yeah. Um, The second uh, pile is the the places. And so that's the where. And those places, again, it can be actual physical locations. It's also an inner metaphorical thing as well. Um, And then the third pile is the tools. And so that's like with what? You know, what, mm. you know, what, what are you putting in your back pocket to get through, you know, the so who and the and, your character and the is going to a place with a certain tool and yes. what's the initiation is the last one. The, right? Yes. The initiation is the why, like mm. it's sort of like the, the goal or the purpose or the whole thing. It's something, the initiation is something that is so like, like it, it's changes the fabric of your world type right. of thing. It's something that kind of shakes up everything so, as you know it. So that so that that fourth card is the thing that's kind of behind it all, mm-hmm. and the first card is who you are, mm-hmm. and the kind of the role you're going to play in this world, and then those other things where you're going to go so, and what you're going to bring. All right. So the question we asked, as I was looking at this, you had me then draw a card out of each of these piles. Mm-hmm. And um, the card I drew, the first card is called the Starborn, number three. Uh, so that's kind of representative of where I'm coming from. That's the self. And then the, the next one is uh, 33, the mountain. That's the place. The place. And then uh, number 60, the kiss. That's the tool. The tool. The kiss is the tool. And then, God bless it, Thanatos or death is... The initiation. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was pissed off Mm because I'm like, I don't need more death cards. Right. And so I'm looking at this. I'm seeing, I'm reading this across. This is my journey. Like this is like um, an understanding of the journey, at least as I'm seeing it now. That's what this is supposed to be to help me understand this. And at first I'm like, this is, this is stupid. Um, and then I realized, oh, no, this is the only thing I need to learn. Like, in a certain sense, I looked at it instantly, and I was so skeptical even today before we did this. I'm like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do some kind of parlor tricks. I don't want to do some kind of goofy stuff for our dear listeners that are going to just be dumb. And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, oh, my goodness, I needed to hear this right now for my life, right now. Sorry to say, I know I sound gullible. This is spot on what I, I mean exactly what I need to know. The starborn. The starborn is this sense of destiny. And this is something that Augie always told me is my problem. And also my motivating potency, potency in some ways. Um, My problem, he talked about this when we were talking about Bojack Horseman, both of us being the oldest kids, growing up with a lot of expectations. You're going to be great. You're so smart. You're so creative. You're such a musician. You're such an artist. You're all this. 
that's a lot of anxiety. Now mm-hmm. what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And now when anything's not working out in the capitalist system that makes me not as creative and as profound as I need to be, now I'm sad. Mm-hmm. As opposed to me just having a nice job and having a family and then doing my creative stuff on the side and just enjoying well, my creative stuff. Well, and as stuff. long as you're just falling into toe to what other people want you to do, you aren't going to ever find what your destiny is. You're never going right. to be able to explore what your purpose or your place here on earth is for and all about because you're doing the bidding of somebody else's destiny. So I got to look at these things. I got to look <laughs> at the two sides of this, right? I got to look at the two sides. One is I've got this, per- I've got this sense of destiny. Mm-hmm. Maybe there isn't destiny. Maybe there isn't the inevitability, and maybe that's my problem. Maybe there is a destiny, and my inability to get busy getting on to that point is um, the the message. But it's something I I'm going to think about and struggle with. Um, the mountain is interesting, of course, because we moved back to Colorado on a couple occasions mm-hmm. to try to get back to something well, and related to this starborn baby self. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, yeah, that's one of the things the starborn um, card had said was, you know, re- like think back to your youth and, you know, what was, what was your big dream or what was something that you, th- you know, thought of back then, like mm-hmm. that you've kind of like let go of and like well the answer is the force because my parents were such cool hippies that like i knew for a fact that there was this kind of dow mm-hmm. i called it the force because i didn't have like a uh, like a mythic narrative you know and of course lucas is using these Jungian archetypes passed on from jung really through this guy joseph campbell um, he's questionable in his own way but but introduces these themes in helpful mm-hmm. uh, in a helpful way uh, but basically, um, uh, I w- literally did what you can see in a lot of the tarot cards of the fool. I blindfolded myself and I thought I was going to use spiritual power to hike through the hills, the foothills of Colorado outside my childhood home in, uh, I don't know, Boulder, Longmont, where we were. I don't remember where we were at the time. And um, I thought that the force was going to allow me to do this, and I fell into a ditch. Mm-hmm. I walked off into a hiking trail all by myself, age five or whatever, and I was convinced that if I had true faith, I could, I could walk like, and I did that little walk like the fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, but I love that world, and that's the world, like I was happy in that world. There was something about the back-to-nature hippies that my parents were hanging around, and just that scene, and just... I don't remember, maybe I'm making false memories of it. Maybe there's all sorts of traumas that uh, like, you know, would block out. But ultimately, that world I loved. And then I moved into the people storage of, of Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. My parents were trying their best and they probably did great. It was like in many ways, like what? What was I going to do? Alternatively, I could be like, you know, huffing paint or something in some Midwestern town because my parents like weren't as motivated to, to get to that spot. But in many ways, though, for me... I felt an emptiness that I really wanted to get back to, and that was in the mountains of Colorado. That's when there was something. Well, and Jeremiah Johnson was a big. Thing well, the, yeah, there's a whole other. But yes, like that was a movie I watched to get back into that idea of I want to get back to the mountains. But one of the things that the card said, Stacey, if you remember, if you if you do the, read the write up on it, yeah, is it said that it's not always just about climbing up the precipice and getting to the top and looking down and saying, "Oh, look at all this big yeah. height that I've come from." I got a PhD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says basically that you know to search inward into the mountain where there might be like the the and mine in the in the depths of the mountains of what like what might be hidden in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what sort of 
jewels or minerals or whatever, you know, that whole mm-hmm. thing just to follow along with the, that story. But there's more to it than just what's, you know, walking on the outside of the mountain. Right. There's an inward journey. Right. And there's stuff to f- focus on inside. And that the importance is, in a way, kind of what we've learned with the Tao is that it's really not at the top. It's, it's like with the yin the gravity brings all the water and the nutrients down into the valley. Mm-hmm. The mother of the valley is like this image. So, so in many ways, kind of going up the mountain was kind of that Sinai uh, Moses kind of trip, and then going inward and down. Well, and I would was say this other part of the trip that I, I will needed. say the times that you have like, kind of ran yourself ragged is when you've been in a situation where you're like, okay, I'm going to grab this institution or whatever, and yeah. I'm going to carry it with my blood, sweat, and tears up, up to this top yeah. of this pace, you know, place. Mm-hmm. We can get accreditation. We whatever can get is, yeah. you know state funding. All these different things, um, but then you realize that it can't just be done on yeah. your back alone, and that's not when you're gone. Then, yeah, what's the then point? it disappears, right? And then the ne- and then the the main thing though is uh, that that in in there's a positive and a negative. In many ways, one of the things that's great is we do go to the mountains. Like I do find joy in that. Uh, there is something beautiful about those like kind of sublime spaces. That in many ways I think is a powerful thing for me and to some ex- you know you yeah. uh, along with it. But the idea is that some people don't really want to deal with these big monsters. Yeah. And I kind of feel drawn to fighting the big monsters. Like, I don't want to just fight the problem of some local cop or some local teacher or some local youth pastor that's a problem. I want to understand the mountain (laughs) of what, like the Molec. Mm -hmm. I want to understand how does this all fit together, right? So like, that's kind of my life purpose is Mm -hmm. to understand this big, like the, like it's Mordor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, right? Like we're going to go into the, to the, to the, we're going to go into the mountain. We're going to go through the mountain. Okay. Now, before I get to the kiss, mm-hmm. then I want to say, when I think about the death card, the Thanatos death card at the end, mm-hmm. that's like this kind of event. There's many ways in which this is true. Of course, of, of course right now, my context is facing the death of my beloved and oldest son that, uh, that, that I just uh, got so much joy and also philosophical encouragement from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also in many ways that one of the things that was different for me than from other people in the family is like, I always have faced mortality and the mortality of my children as like a real possibility. Like it's always been something, not like a fear even, but just like the fact that from, I mean, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, the fact that in no time at all, this will all be the distant past. All of us will be. So like death, not just the death of my child or myself but rather death itself mm-hmm. is an interesting thing to juxtapose with the starborn card. So I've got this card that says I come into the world with a sense of destiny. Not everybody does and not everybody should, not even I should. It's just that like I happened to with my birth order. I was the oldest, not of, not just of my own immediate family, but of my cousins. And uh, that kind of creates a certain kind of expectation that's different from other people. They don't like, I don't know. Like, Sydney didn't have a destiny. Mm-hmm. handed to her. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily helpful to have a destiny handed to you, but that's like a very important part of myself. Right. And, um, 
Uh, it just like for me not to attend to that is it causes me. And this is what we were reflecting on before the show. It causes us in our relationship a lot of stress because if there's something that I need to like, let's say I want to get a podcast out mm-hmm. and we're having trouble getting that podcast out. It's not just that I'm going to be frustrated with you for being slow on the podcast. I'm frustrated that. I'm worried that you're going to be blocking my ability to let this little, there's a picture of an egg on this card, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, the mountain, believe it or not, has a mountain on it. Anyway, um, but, uh, but I start to realize, well, that's why I'm triggered so heavy on, on some of these things that make me feel like I'm slowed down or something, right? Right, that you have, that you have some things to accomplish and death is not too far away. Right. So. so if I don't do the things that I'm supposed to be destined to do, then my whole existence was a waste. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, my destiny, starborn, starborn, I'm like from the stars, I'm like, oh, you've got this divine origin. And then it all ends in death. void. Mm-hmm. So like that is the, the death of my ego is the most important thing I've had to learn, right? Not just getting rid of, not just getting rid of like, calling myself Mr. Jeff and like getting rid of the, the defil as like kind of like the ego adornment. Mm -hmm. Um, these have been things that are really important to me, but not only with Augie's death, but also just like the helplessness of like literally not being able to afford to pay the rent. If I took on two jobs with the church, that's a, that's a very heavy thing. Mm -hmm. And I knew it'd be all right in some way, but like, that's a heavy, like I felt like every, a, a couple months ago, I felt like well, a month and a half ago, I felt like everything had crumbled. I just kind of came to this realization like, oh shit, like all of my palaces, sandcastles are now washed away. Yeah. And um, the fact is that's true for me now, but it's true for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Just... So like that's the game. So what's the only solution? And I saw this immediately, by the way, when you laid this spread out, I thought it was going to take me a while to figure it out and there's more reading to do on it. The kiss. What's the answer? Intimacy. We've always, always known this. So... Yes, you've got this destiny. Yes, I've got this mountain. I've got the starboard destiny. I've got this mountain to climb, penetrate, figure out, address. Yes, and then there's this death reality that we have a limited time to do it. I can't finish everything. I, I'm never. I'm, when I die, I'm going to have a few projects that I didn't finish. Yeah. Okay. Um, while I'm dying, I'd like to have some of them more accomplished than less of them. Yeah. From my own, like right. just okayness. Right. But maybe that's the wrong thing too, but it's something that I do have to just recognize in myself and you need to recognize for me. That that's going to create anxiety and stress in you. And if you're slowing me down from that, I'm going to be frustrated in a way that's like over the top. It would know, be not immediately apparent why I would care that much. Mm-hmm. But the answer is the kiss and intimacy. In the moments we have, love, touch, physical or not, like being connected is the only thing because being connected, yeah. being present, being embodied. Cause that's what we yeah. are in this. We are right now embodied yep. in this existence, right? To deny yep. that peace, to yep. forget, to have that touch, that yep. love, that intimacy. That is, would be the real waste. Yeah. Because, because I get so up in my head. I mean, I was, we were talking about Alan Watts. We love Alan Watts, but like Alan Watts was kind of like me in the bad sense that I, I was like Alan Watts in the bad sense that sometimes we get so caught up in talking about meditation and love that we don't get around to it. Yeah. In terms of just like the daily enacting right, of it, right. you know, you got to make time. I talk about mutual aid, but I have been so busy working that I haven't been out like, you know, in networks of, uh, you know, food distribution, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. We, I did more of that back at Concordia, to be frank, mm-hmm. before I became an anarchist 
proper and move to, you know, by the way, interesting thing, uh, I wanted to go back to the Pendragon thing and I totally just forgot about it. We're bouncing around, but I'm almost, we're done with the show almost. Uh, the Pendragon thing. It reminds me of uh, where I've been kind of exploring with uh, the anarchist that Augie turned me on to, Dave Evans, of uh, the Behind the Bastards uh, podcast, and he's got other related podcasts. I am a super fan of this podcast and this dude and the people that he's assembled. There are a bunch of cool anarchists that live in Portland. This is before we moved to Portland. Augie said, you've got to listen to this show. This is the greatest show. And I would always talk to Augie. I'm like, let's talk anarchy. And he's like, nah, I don't want to talk about nah. But then when we listened to the show... Um, I realized, oh, that's okay. He's not against it. He just doesn't want to talk about it my way. He's going to talk about it in more concrete ways. Well, uh, Dave Evans is, um, he's a pro-gun leftist. Mm -hmm. And that's the Pendragon thing. In other words, I think our biggest problem as I'm sitting here in Portland is if unrest does take place, like if they put the uh, orange face baby stealer into prison in an orange jumpsuit, which they should. I mean, everybody knows that Trump should be in prison. I mean, not everybody knows, but I'm saying <laughs> babies know. I mean, the, the, the dude committed crimes in broad daylight and he said he could and he did. He's mafia type, you know, like the, the, that, that kind of style. Um, the sins against humanity and decency and just like truth he will go down as one of the like bad kings of the of the, and, of, and of if, the history of the And if he's world. not called to answer for that, then it just opens up the door, the gate yeah. to anybody uh, else. But, uh, you know, through. it's like, I don't really like I, vengeance. It's like, I don't know, whatever. There needs to be some kind of reckoning, some kind of what public. What I'm trying to say is that the know. next Trump that would come I know. or somebody worse to say this is thing. not going to be acceptable. <laughs> Society is not going to accept this, hopefully. That's the idea, right? Like if, if, the, if the Republicans can't rein that in, this is, a, this is a toxin. This is a sickness that spread. All right. This is a side issue politics. I don't want to get into that too much. It's just that like when, when that happens, right, um, that's good. But it also may trigger some of these of these insecure white men that are losing their whatever it was their little fake kingdoms and they're going to commit acts of violence so the problem is those of us peace loving hippies that don't really know how to like work the weaponry we're going to lose because do you know what we're going to talk about on the next show i'm going to talk about a group called the diggers and um generally speaking pacifists that want to be um, like hippies on the land get clobbered by, by the system that doesn't want them to do that. Yeah. So I'm not a, a fan of violent insurrection by any means. I'm like in the Tao Te Ching. I, I'm a Shaolin pacifist. I'm a, don't come into my well, temple so one and thing, I won't have to shoot you. But like I will if you come with a machete I don't, to yeah. my front door, <laughs> well, I'm going to arm myself. I'm not going to go in, we, you know... We've already gone way too long. We've probably like tried everybody's patience. But my point is with the cards that I got, uh, one of my cards, the tool was the sword. Mm. And one of the things that um, it just kind of like came together for me too, in, in what it talks about is sort of like if the sword, if it just kind of like maims something, like that's just like torturous, like yeah. for everything. But like a, a quick a very quick, like, you know, cutting of a cord or a tie or something that needs to happen, a very purposeful, direct hit, 
is, you know, and it, it just ends quickly. It's more merciful. It mm. kind of reminds me of um, when we were family gathering thing. We were killing the, um, we collected some Dungeness crab, right? Mm. Watching um, some people try to, you know, Dispatch. Yes. Uh, Execute. Right. And <laughs> said crab. And by sort of being very purposeful and using like the bucket as a wedge and like with your weight going down, it basically can put the, the crab out of its misery very quickly. If you kind of like crack Hesitate. it a little bit and you're like, oh, you know what you're going to do and it's rough, mm-hmm. then you kind of don't do it all the way. And then it, it's going to be in more pain. You're going to have to go again at it. And, right. and that, it's not that swift. And I would say that the Tao Te Ching says, look, we don't want to fight. Right. But if you're going to fight... Don't just maim. Yeah. I mean, you're serious enough that now you're... If it's time to... And this is true, by the way, with firearms. Like, do not shoot people in the foot. If you need to use a firearm, it's because you're trying to put somebody on the ground. And you don't want to have to do that, but that's that's the game. You're not using it to intimidate. You're not using it to like walk around the city and make make people of color or Jews or or women feel threatened or or whatever, right? Or libs. Um. But the fact is, there's a bunch of these militia types out there, and I'm kind of worried, all right? So if there is a civil war, do I want these, like, NPR friends with their little, like, little book bags rocking? With the, you know, they're, they're, I mean, like, I am not a fan of the gun culture, okay? But I am with, I'm with the, the side of things that says, um, with a lot of the rhetoric against trans individuals, like, if you're trans, go get a concealed carry permit if you're not suicidal and you don't have like, you know, a situation where children, you know, you know, but like if you, if you like, or find some way, get a self-defense class, learn, learn how to deescalate, whatever it is you got to do. But in a certain sense, what I worry about as a historian of a lot of this is, uh, as I look back at the history, um, the anarchist pacifists just kept getting clobbered and they just like, they, they can win for a little bit you know, and then they get taken out. And then the capitalists destroy them, the Tsarists destroy them, or the communists destroy them. And um, so the ability for, as the Tao Te Ching says, you have your weapons, you keep them in the storage room, you don't parade them around. Yeah, you hope to never use them. Yeah, like these guys walking around with the AKs, like, nah, I'm not really doing that. Like, I would say, though, that I would say, though, that I know there's a lot of antipathy in the public media because the media is controlled by capitalism that really knocks a lot of these uh, Antifa type anarchists. And I know that there's people that are extremists and do insular things and this and that. But what's interesting is that a lot of these kids are actually queer kids that if you saw them at school, you'd think you could bully them or whatever. Like, they're not like violent, mean individuals, the fear that they're instilling is the anti-fascist fear is intentional. You're trying, this is actually part of the game. When we're walking around Portland, I don't know what kind of people it was, like how violent the people were that posted pictures of punching Nazis. But I'm kind of glad those stickers are there because the fact is Nazis are pretty dangerous Okay, and mm-hmm. I'm not just going to punch you for your beliefs, but if you come and intimidate people um, in my community that are marginalized, I might just sock you in the face and go to jail for it for a little while, and I think I should sometimes. Not as a, an act of aggression, and I think Jesus would say, and Lao Tzu would say, normally that's not the answer. 
but there have been times when the lion needs to roar in order to provide some cover for people who are in physical danger mm-hmm. regularly. All right. Now we've gone way off the track. We're like, well, we were liking their new age shit, but then all of a sudden they're talking about what I'm saying though about the sword is whatever that sword is. Sometimes I think we go back to the pen dragon. I think we're living in times when hippies and, and new agey leftist Dow surfers like ourselves sometimes get lulled into thinking that there isn't real threats out there, mm-hmm. real danger, not just like, ideological battleground culture war danger but like like physical danger and what we've seen is that there's a very there's a very precarious you know line that could fall that could be breached and that that is not guaranteed that we've got things handled and i think that i would like us to have the ability to say that you know like they say in on on the on the right the reason they you know the second amendment is important as they'd say, well, if you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns, <laughs> right? Well, that's true. I don't want to have guns in society. Mm-hmm. I don't want criminals to have guns. I don't want cops shooting people. But I also have a real problem with angry, dispossessed, used to be in charge, still privileged but don't realize it, white people with machine guns and they're shooting up synagogues, okay? Yeah. Um, if there's a mad dog, this is what Bonhoeffer said. Bonhoeffer was a failed pacifist. He says, like, Hitler was like a dude driving a car through a crowded street. You've got to take out the driver. You've got to neutralize the driver, blow his brains. I mean, he didn't say it like that, but, like, you have to if you have to. He's going to assassinate Hitler. So if you're a fascist, yeah, you probably, yeah, like, no. <laughs> right? Like, we're at war. If you're a real fascist and you're going to, like, you're going to think it even, that's fine. But, like... I guess, but if you're going to be coming and threatening my space and you're going to actually be committing acts of violence against people, I don't know what to say, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to, people of goodwill are going to have to find a way because we can't rely on the government or the police to do anything about it. And especially we can't rely on the police because I guarantee you there, there's a lot of communities in this country, no matter what the law says, if there's a bunch of proud boys that want to go like, you know, do some gay bashing, I'm not sure all the white cops in that town are going to necessarily do something about it. Because right. that's what used to happen. Like when the KKK would do its 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 tomfoolery, then the FBI would stand by, or the or the local sheriff would just not prosecute him because he was related, or was it? Right, right. So, or it got paid off, or whatever. Who yeah, knows? yeah. So I don't know how we got into that. Other than to say, no, I think what it is to say is that sometimes I want to live in this land of positivity and good vibes, which is where I normally want to be, and maybe I'll take back what I'm saying now. And say that, like, Jesus, it's just not worth it to even really contemplate it. Although Jesus did say, grab a sword on your on your roll back to Galilee, friends. Mm-hmm. He didn't believe that armed insurrection was the answer. I mean, that's the whole thing about Jesus, a side issue. So don't, Peter, don't be cutting off the, the ear there. That's not the game. But it's not to say you can't self-defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a different story. You just can't have a, 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 a violent uprising against the Rome. Yeah. And it's 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 neither loving, kind, nor is it sufficiently helpful right. uh, to actually fix things. Yeah. So one other extra little thing about the sword thing, um, as it relates to me, is also uh, I sometimes have a, a tendency to have a hard time making decisions, and so yeah. being indecisive um, is it can be very 
confusing to those around me. Uh, And if I need to do something, I need to kind of make a decision and go forward with it. I can change my mind when I go down a course and I'm realizing this isn't the path for me, but staying stuck in a point of indecision Mm -hmm. is, um, is not going to be helpful for me. Um, or like I said, anybody that is around me at the time or whatever, it just gets confusing. It gets ugly. Yeah. It's messier. Yeah. So be deliberate, you know, and, and, and strategic when I, you know, need to make certain moves. And that's what I take, yeah. uh, you know, from that card for me. So, But yeah. all of this, we've gone on a long time. Yeah, that's all right, though, because, hey, we're hanging out. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is, uh, th- you know, th- we talked about these cards can be helpful. You'd say, by and large, would you agree, Oracle cards, probably an even better place to start sometimes than the... Than the um, yeah, than I, the tarot. If you I, just want to kind of get started, and I personally think that um, I, if, you know, especially for anybody that really wants to do some inner work, the archetype card deck is um, kind of quickly becoming one of my favorite for favorites for that. That's because, interesting. Uh, you know, in all of these things, there's you know the tools, the places, or whatever. There's so much to think about, and all of these are archetypes, so they do apply in our lives, and some. Mm fashion it could be something underdeveloped in us mm. it could be something that we are over, have overdeveloped but like what what is that how do we find that balance and and what might this card be saying and what what yeah. can i embrace what should i shed yeah now uh alana fairchild as much as we like it is a lot of content mm-hmm. and the archetype cards are not so much content but more contemplation. Right. So that's why I think you're right. It is a good place to start because if you don't believe in what Alana fair, we happen to like a lot of the, the themes that she speaks, but it's, it may not, come maybe you just don't agree. It, this is actually allowing you to kind of wrestle with these images and you can take them however you want to take them. Right. You know, now this said friends, we have been behind on some things. We understand. It's like, this is just the thing we're doing just in case if you are a patron, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, um, uh, we are, so close to finishing some of our projects, but you know, as Stacy said yesterday, you don't want to, you don't want them to be incomplete and then you feel bad. Mm-hmm. There is a time when you got to cut <laughs> and move on. But here's the deal. Um, and sometimes we will offer things. If you're a patron, what you're doing, I think what we'd like to say, make us feel better is we are on this journey. You can give us a little tip to help us to, sur- to survive and continue to do this exploration and, and not have to take on even more side jobs Right. Right. That'll help. Um, but if you can't support us, that's fine. But like it would, it would help. It'd be helpful if you could. But, um, and we sometimes will offer opportunities for things. And when we finally get our books, even if you gave just for a little while and then you had to stop, we'll, we'll just come, come back to us and say, Hey, I want my discount for a book when we get the books finally on in print. But what Stacy uh, has as an opportunity for you, dear listeners, is if you want to become a patron, you can have one free session with Stacy, we're she's just gonna sit down. She ain't no expert. She ain't no uh, psychic medium. Uh, but uh, she will, uh, if you are a patron, she will um, chat with you via Zoom or in another format that you figure out, and go through a, a little reading just so you can see how it's done. It's not like that's Stacy's main game, but it's just something that if something we do as a family, and we're thinking, what is it that we can offer? that we would love to do. Stacey, what would you say more about like what that would look like? Oh, well, I mean, it could be in any of these decks that if there's something that kind of speaks to you, you can say, Hey, I'm interested in that 
one deck or whatever mm-hmm. and, and go through it. Basically, um, I mean, I, it's <laughs> it's the thing I love to do every morning. Um, so she I can find do it with it, you. Yeah. So, and I just find it fascinating um, just to sort of explore the themes that come up and, you know, see, see what resonates. You know, we kind of throw things on the wall and if it sticks, it sticks and fine. Um, you might find something helpful in the message and I just enjoy talking it out. And Yeah, it's a way and, to have a conversation. And yeah, and just sort of see, you know, how how does this play out in your life or how, you know, how hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things. Anyway, it could be any of these decks or any, you know, I don't know. 15 can, to 30 you minutes. Can even, if you're not you sure which time. one, you could talk to me and say, hey, here's kind of what I'm looking for. And then she I'll, can omakase it. <laughs> and I can say, hey, I think this deck would be, would be helpful, yep. um, you know, in your, in your situation or whatever. And again, it's not fortune telling. It's not anything other than maybe just kind of giving you some insight into your inner world or your outer world that maybe you didn't quite notice before. Yep. Anyway, so yes, I'd be this, happy to yes. talk you through it. I mean, you know, and then you can see if maybe you want to explore some of this on your own, yeah, or may- maybe you always just want to yeah. have a reading with me, and maybe yeah. I'll offer that opportunity um, <laughs> if I have time. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my big concerns yeah. right now. So uh, if you uh, do become a patron and do want yeah. to take um, uh, advantage of that free opportunity, yeah, then you can also shoot us a message saying, "Hey, you know." Yep. I'm in. Thanks, I'm in. I'd like a, a, I'd like to set up a, a time, please. Yep. And I will reach out. So, friends, whether we chat or not with the cards, uh, thanks for <laughs> sticking through this. If you made it to the end, uh, you've you really stuck it out, and we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all your support. And until next time, peace upon peace. Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP. And rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter low too much.